0: all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? I'm Bill Mitchell and this is When Dating Hurts a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. This is the second of a two-part interview with Molly. No matter what he did, her husband saw himself as the victim in their marriage. Like so many survivors, Molly held on long past what you might expect. Here's Molly.
1: And it was the same thing. He's like, well, I guess your parents will just bill you out and pay for a divorce lawyer. And I was like, yeah, they will. Because they're my parents and they love me and they will.
0: I was thinking the same thing because they love me and they're going to take care of it.
1: Exactly. And we ended up using the same divorce lawyer too. Because we had nothing. I mean, oh. I ended up with a TV and a couch and a, be- and a bed. And he took like half the dishes and the TV that wasn't broken. I mean, my TV still worked. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And so we ended up using just for the sake of ease, the same. Because he didn't have money to pay for his own lawyer. And he also wasn't going to, we didn't have anything to fight over. So we ended up using the same one. And I just remember thinking, oh, my parents bought you a divorce too. because. Mm. I mm. paid for the divorce attorney.
0: That might've been the best money your parents ever spent. However.
1: They were like, where can I wire this money to you? What do you need? A retainer for a divorce attorney? Yes. How Coming I- right up. How much do you need and where does it go? So they were just like, Oh, thank goodness. Like she finally realized that this is done. And they were just, Oh, they were so happy. My poor parents, they tried so hard and they, and my mom, Just watch. I can't imagine my mom watching me go through that after everything that she'd done to make sure I had all these chances to do all the things that that she didn't get to do. And because she was a woman and then to just watch me be in this horrible relationship where he would just and it got to the point like he would just scream at me in front of my parents, too. They saw parts of it. They didn't see all of it, but they saw parts of it and they knew that it was not good. And so I can't imagine, and my parent, my mom has not talked to me about it. I did mention to her that I was going to do this, which I I wasn't sure I was going to. She was just like, oh, because she just, she just can't, she can't do it because it just, it pains her so much. She loves me so much. And she gave me everything that she didn't get. And I still had to go through something like this. Like I still ended up with this guy who treated me really terribly. I mean, almost killed me so many times, like, Any one of those times in in the car where we're going 90 miles an hour and he's screaming and spit, it's flying out of his mouth and I'm sobbing and I'm like a tiny ball next to the door because I'm trying to get as far away from him physically as I possibly can. Any one of those times, we we could have died in a crash. Like any one of the times where he got like out of control... Any one of the times where he punched the wall instead of me, it could have been me. It would have been had I stayed longer. And to just think of my poor, my poor mom and dad, is watching me do this, and they they couldn't do anything. Like everybody told me, everybody said, "Don't marry him. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this." But I was, you don't know him. You don't know the real him. How it is. Yes. To
0: me. Yes. Yeah. I've I've heard that. How that goes too. You know, as you you're put into a position where you feel like they are challenging a decision that you're trying to make or trying to keep. So now again, you become the enabler, you become his defender. You don't know him, as you just said, you don't see him on a good day. He has a lot of parts about him that are great. You know, maybe you glimpsed him petting a puppy once, or I don't know, giving money to some cause, you know, these like microscopic moments of, of uh, generosity. But it's true. I mean, in the end, that people who are abused have to save themselves. And that's that's really the way it is because, and I, I hate to bring it up, but it's a, a lot like alcoholism. Mm-hmm. The people who are alcoholics, they have to hit their bottom out stage when they finally say, I cannot do this anymore. I've lost so many things. Maybe they lost their family members. They maybe lost their job, their house, their car, uh, their self-worth. And unless they Pull it up, you know, that's like this plane barreling towards the ground, unless you finally, you know, you, the pilot of your life, grab the stick and pull back and get that thing back up in the air. When you think back, and maybe you've already shown us this, but what was that moment when you were just completely like, I can't do this anymore? And that became the watershed moment that turned things around.
1: It was the gambling when I tracked his email because he, it was just such a lie. And, I mean,
0: comparing that to the food that you were eating at that time with, yes. uh, you know, one slice of cheese and maybe, you know, if you're lucky, two pieces of
1: bread. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just, we, we we never had food or we never had money for like food, but we always had money for alcohol, you know, like he would always have alcohol and, mm-hmm. um, and his, and his weed and whatever, and money for him to gamble. Cause he was you know he was he was delivering pizzas so i didn't know how much money because he has tips and it's all cash so he'd bring home what he would bring home if he needed more money pick up extra shifts and so i didn't see all of that all i saw was like we don't have money for this he's obviously like, not making money you know like if you don't make that much money but he was making more and just spending it on things that he wanted to spend it on and at that point i was like i have a big girl job and like i'm in charge of 12 year olds. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm not, I'm not in high school and mm-hmm. it's not, it's not fun anymore.
0: It's not make-believe what you're doing. You're out there in the real world and you are affecting people's lives. And in the meantime, you're getting just knocked all over Yeah. by life brought to you by this guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you went through the separation state, he at times sent friends to your apartment. Yes. How did that look and feel?
1: That's when it got dangerous and I, um, that was when I was actually scared. So we separated and eventually he was like, yeah, maybe you're right. He knew that he had really screwed up and that I was just done. Cause it was, nothing was working. He was throwing everything at me. I'll quit drinking and I will do this and whatever. And, and I was just like, no, I'm done. That's it. Like I talked to a divorce attorney, I'm done. It's filed. I'm done he moved out moved in with a friend and i got about going on with my life and you know working and things like that and it was a small town so i didn't always leave my i didn't always lock my apartment door if i was inside i had to start doing that because i would have these people that i didn't know come to my house and and tell me that i needed to get back with him because we were supposed to be together and at one point, one of these people came over and I had a friend helping me put together a futon because I only got one sofa in the divorce. So I needed a futon. <laughs> and so... um Got to sleep somewhere. Yep. He was in there helping me and and I was afraid for him because this person just showed up at the door telling me, you know, you need to do this and and, and Mario said that you you need to get back with him and like you guys are supposed to be together and, and he's like swearing, he's cursing at... My friend who was there helping me, my friend is like, oh, what am I supposed to do right now? I don't really. So he's just kind of deer in the headlights. At this point, I just was like done taking people's shit. So I just said, you don't know him. Like, what do you work with him? How long have you known him? I was like, like six months. So you don't know him. I'm not getting back. This is not high school. You can't send you over here to win me back. That's BS. So please leave and don't ever come back. And like that person didn't. But I mean, he would send people he would show up. I had told him not to, but he would show up and I had to lock my, I had to start locking my doors. Otherwise he would just walk in to my apartment, even though this was not the apartment that we shared. I had moved because I had to downsize because I, we were in a two bedroom and I moved to a one bedroom in the same complex. And so he would show up and he would show up outside of, I was on the first floor. I had these sliding glass doors And so he would show up outside those and be, that was my bedroom. So it was like my bed and then sliding glass doors to the outside ground level. So very scary. Eventually, like I started, like I reconnected with my, with my husband that we were friends, you know, from five years before when we were studying abroad together, we were talking and it was really, was really great and came to visit. And so we started dating and um, things got really bad then because my ex would call 50 times a day, 60 times a day on the landline because I didn't have a cell phone and just leave messages just so profane, just really, really disgusting messages. Leave
0: voicemail messages, huh?
1: About Mm -hmm. how I was all of these things and I was a slut and I was a whore and because I had started dating somebody else, he realized that if I was actually dating somebody else, then I was serious because it it wasn't enough for me to be like, I don't want you. I had to pick somebody else.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was kind of proof that that you
1: were heading out. Yes. And so it's not enough for me to say no, but it's very much the the trope of, you know, you tell a guy in the bar, I have a boyfriend and they leave you alone. I started dating my now husband and um, it got really bad. The calls and all the time, all night, all day. And eventually I went to the police. They... Said we well, can file like a phone harassment thing against him, and so I did. They said, you know, I said, what do you want me to do, like with these recordings? What should I do? They said, well, just like just transcribe it. And I said, well, oh, cool. that's
0: good enough, huh? Yeah, that's good enough.
1: So I said, okay, and I ended up with like a little recorder.
0: So they felt it was okay to transcribe it. Would it have been illegal to for you to actually record the voicemails? Was that no, part of the they, concern?
1: I did record them. And I okay. kept kept it. I mean, that I got one of those little recorders, and I recorded them off of the voicemail. And I would keep that in my car along with a digital camera uh, just in case I was anywhere and anything happened. Like, if I had had my iPhone, I would have been like, record, just to make sure I was relatively safe, or at least there was documentation of what was happening.
0: Yes, of course.
1: I mean, I kept those for a really long time and just kept them with me because I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And the police contacted him and said, don't, don't call her. He then deceased father's air force stuff. Sorry. How could you do that? How could you tell the police? We're supposed to be together. How could you bring them into this? Like what a betrayal I had perpetrated upon him. And um, I just said, the police said, don't call me so don't call me. And he's like, I did, I'm not calling you. I'm only calling you to tell you that I'm never going to call you again. That sounds great.
0: Sounds like uh sign the papers on that one. Yes. Did he call anymore?
1: Yes, of course he did. Oh, but it, it really, I
0: just wanted to hear you say it. That was all.
1: Yes. No, it helped. And then um, there was one point we were, I think, actually divorced. I was going through some stuff because I was going to move to be with my now husband. And so I was going to leave the state and I was going through things and there were I found something of his dad's like his air force something and i was like oh like i should return this because i have no reason to keep this and i know it's important to him so i thought i'll be i'll be nice and i will send it to his grandparents because i didn't want to send it directly to him and so i did that and then i got a call at one in the morning and it was him saying you're not allowed to contact me even through a third party and you shouldn't have done that but i still love you i love you so much we should be together but you can't contact me i'm like okay all right goodbye sorry i sent you your deceased father's air force stuff sorry and then two seconds after that i got a call from the police Saying, you can't contact him.
0: Oh, he tried to turn you in now. (laughs) That's a good one.
1: Yeah, he called them and said,
0: yeah, you broke the law. You shouldn't have done that.
1: I'm only going to contact her to tell her that she's not allowed to contact me. And then I'm going to contact you so you can tell her too. And I just went, man, I don't want anything to do with him. Perfect. You say not, I will never talk to him again. Sounds wonderful. I won't send him anything. If I find anything, I'll burn it. Because I, whatever. Sounds good. Great. And that was one of the last times that I heard from him.
0: One of the last. Yeah. So you left for another state. Did you leave with your now husband to yeah. another state? He
1: was living okay. in the state. And you were
0: having anxiety dreams yes. during that time?
1: Um, so my husband's wonderful, obviously. I, I, did, I, I married very well the second time. He's, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And I... Now, when you
0: say married very well, you mean the person, not like you married into... No, uh, I
1: married, I I made a good choice. I picked a good...
0: Okay. I didn't know if he had a castle back at home with mom and dad.
1: But no, he's just a very kind person and he treats me like a human being. So all of those were things that I, and he's very safe, just very, I always, like, he's never going to fly off the handle. So I, that was so attractive to me. That's great. After years of chaos... Because before I had married my ex, I don't know if I would have really been that into my husband because it was kind of boring. And at that point in my life, it was, I was still kind of, the drama was exciting. There was no drama. So
0: that's an interesting point you make. And I've heard this from a few people that when you meet someone who actually, let's just say is meant for you or would really be great for you. Okay. Like somebody with it where it's a very... 50 50 equal, nice relationship, a lot of give and take. You can express yourself without worrying about blowback, you know, but like a real, really nice, quintessential marriage. However, that relationship or people like that with you can be a little boring at times. And so you almost think there's something wrong because it's pretty smooth. And like you said, with the other guy, with this Mario. You know, you have the highs and lows, but your heart's pounding the whole time. So somehow, it sort of adds up to this is okay. You know, again, if if I get some highs, some of the lows I can put up with. Yes, but it, it's better than this almost flatline relationship with somebody who actually is really okay. And you, you know, you take care of him; he takes care of you, or you know, whatever, 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 yep. whatever the marriage is, whether it's women, men, or you know, any any of the above. So, but I'm glad you pointed that yep. out because I, I I wanted to make a point
1: my now husband is not thankful that i went through all of that but thankful that showed me what i really wanted in a partner long term yes which was not all of the ups and downs i just you get to a certain point and it's just it's it's not it's not fun it's just stress it's just sad it's just you're just scared and so we started dating and he's very patient which is good because I had a lot of baggage coming in. I was his first like real girlfriend. And so, I mean, he had a lot of sort of naivete, which I think worked in my favor because he's like, maybe it's supposed to be like this, but he really helped me. He's very even keel. And so, uh, you know, we'd be asleep and I'd wake up in a panic. I would turn over and he'd be there and he'd be like, what are you doing? And I would say, I just wanted to make sure that you were here. And, And he would say, Molly, where the hell else would I be at three in the morning? i have to work. Be like, I know, I know, I know that it's crazy, but I just, I'm just glad you're still here. I'm glad you're here right now. And he'd go, okay, go to bed. No, it wasn't. And so that was.
0: Yeah, it was not previously a given.
1: He didn't like sneak out and gamble all of our money away. But yeah, I was having dreams of, I still have these dreams where somehow I'm still married to Mario. I have my kids that I have now. And the whole time, and things are terrible. And the whole time in my dream, I'm thinking, no, I already, I did this already. This is, I already took care of this. Like, my life is not like this anymore. I, I changed it. And the whole time in my dream, I'm just incredulous going, why am I back here? Like, why am I with this person? I already did this. Like, I fixed it already. And so then I wake up and just be like, oh my gosh, I don't. Thank goodness. And
0: it's a shame, too, because those dreams, or another word for them would be nightmares, are just so real. I mean, they're as real as life is. And after a while, you can't expect they'll stop. I mean, I have recurring things that, that I wake up with at a times. And it's like, okay. oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, okay, that's gone. That was 10 years ago. You know, that, you know. but they're unfortunately just as real as can be, three-dimensional.
1: And it was always a... Yep. I hope he doesn't know where I am because I, I mean, I moved, I didn't tell him. He's not allowed to contact me. My husband and I got married, so I changed my last name. And so I was kind of like openly in hiding, hoping that he would not find me. And then just being very, 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 very nervous. Anytime I went home for mm. holidays to visit my family, because I just would have these, these anxiety flashes of like, what if I see him in the, like, what if it's in the grocery store? What if I like, I don't want him to, I don't want him to find me because he knows where my parents live. He's called my parents' house. Yeah, what
0: if he's parked across the street from your parents' house?
1: My mom will call and go, you yeah, know, he called here. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know. And so she called at one point and said, Um, he called and he's getting married again.
0: You're still on his mind, no matter what.
1: And so he wants you to sign an annulment because his new wife is Catholic. And so he can't have been married to you if he wants to marry her. And I was like, Gladly, and I thought, great, he found someone who is going to help him. Because it's still at this point, it's we're not a good match. I was young, because I really, really didn't want to admit to myself or anyone else that he was abusive, and it was an abusive marriage, and I subjected myself to that, and I stayed in it way longer than I should have stayed. And so I thought, fantastic, and I was such a relief that I was not. I'm not the most recent one anymore. So he's got his his attention on this person who seemed very nice, second grade teacher, just a very sweet girl. And I thought, great, maybe he's grown up. He can have a life now. That's wonderful. Good for them. And so I did not sign. My mom signed um, because she's like, no, you're not coming anywhere near this. I'll sign on your behalf. I'll sign in your old name so that he won't know your new name and you can be done with it. And I was like, great. Sounds good. And so that was a time where I was really relieved and I just didn't really think about it. And then I hear that he is getting a divorce and I thought, oh, that stinks. But there's a restraining order from his then wife. And I thought, oh, I don't think that it's us. I think it's him. I needed someone else to have that experience because I full on thought, it's just me.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing how you, you know, after all those twists and turns that you'd been through, that you still left the door open, that you were a large part of why this was going on, as if you were the cause in some way. Something you were doing made him act that way. It was still somewhere embedded into your mind.
1: Yep. And I I just thought, okay, well, yeah, I guess maybe it was not me. And I'm glad that she got a restraining order. That's great. They ended up with a, a few kids. And so... I just thought, thank goodness I didn't have kids because I would still be tied to him. And that's really one of my greatest thanksgivings about the whole thing. I, I learned a lot and um, like figured out what I wanted and what I definitely didn't want. And I didn't have kids. So I don't have to see or talk to this person ever again in my life because we're not linked and we don't have to be. So that was, I just thought I was, I felt really badly for her and I, I thought, like, should I try to contact her? That'd be weird. So I didn't because it's not any of my business.
0: The When Dating Hurts podcast is sponsored by Nom Nom. I'm a big advocate for better food for pets. When they eat healthier, they live healthier. And Nom Nom's food for dogs is full of fresh proteins a dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. Nom Nom meals are pre-portioned, for your dog's exact caloric needs. So, it's the easiest way to take the guesswork out of feeding your dog the best. Just tell them about your pup, age, breed, weight, allergies, and protein preferences. Get fresh, pre-packaged, totally nutritious meals delivered directly to your door for even less. Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynom.com slash when Dating Hurts, and get 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. And Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. That means if your dog doesn't love each meal, Nom Nom will refund your first order. Nom Nom is real good food for your dog. Head to TryNom.com slash When Dating Hurts. So they
1: ended up divorced and... Just a few weeks ago, I was at my niece's dedication. I looked down at my phone and he has a uh, friend requested me on Facebook. I haven't seen him or talked to him in 17 years. And he just showed up. Oh. I just start to sweat. My heart is pounding. And I just I showed my husband and he's like, what is that? And I said, I don't know what this is. And so I it, it just made me like, really freak me out. It really scared me because I wasn't expecting it. And I was home at the time. And so I didn't know where he was living, but I assumed somewhere in that area. And so I thought like, oh my God, he could be anywhere. He could be anywhere doing anything. And obviously he still is trying to get at me. Like He still thinks he can get in, like back in somehow. And so I, I, i'm not going to accept the friend request but my husband did have to talk me down because i said even at this point i said well would you think it would be like just rude if i declined shouldn't i should i write like a little thing like i'm good my life is great hope you're fine we don't need to talk and then just block and my husband goes molly delete it delete it yes be done no nothing good can come of this and i was like yeah you're right you're right, but the good thing about that is that I did see a, like a picture of him you know visiting his children, which was obviously under some sort of court ordered supervision, and I just went, "Oh my God, those poor kids, but I'm sure their mom's lovely, but I looked at him and i just I just felt first revulsion, which surprised me because I'm a super empathetic person, and um I've always wanted. Good things for him, even if it wasn't me. Obviously, I didn't ever want him to, you know, have a really crappy life. But I just saw him and just thought, no. And also, I just thought, it's so pathetic.
0: It is. Yes, it is.
1: I just was like, oh, I'm not scared of you anymore. If this is who you are, like, you're pathetic. And you're weak. And you think that you're allowed access to me because we got married right out of college. Why would you ever think that you could ever talk to me again? You think you can just get like worm your way back in? It will never happen. And so I just, it freaked me out initially. And then I just went, oh, no, I know what this is. You're a pathetic human being. And I don't Need to waste any time with you, so it really kind of solidified that I don't owe anybody any of myself, regardless of whatever history we have or whatever lies he told me about how I ruined his life.
0: That has to get to the point of being laughable, where you don't even process it. It's like no, 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 you know, just no, no, no. You gotta got hundreds of chances to pull out and you didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't make yourself a good person, Mm -hmm. tried to pull me down to where you are and you were successful at times. But for you, it's wide open highway, only good days and just concentrate on today and tomorrow and and dial him out completely. And it's a shame that he'll, he might pop up again sometime over the phone or something will show up in your mailbox maybe, but it's the faster you shred those things, the better. Unfortunately, in all the conversations I've had with people over the years, I just don't see too many people who are serial abusers waking up to the fact that they are and then getting real help and and turning it off. This narcissistic thing that these people go through where they only know their own feelings, they don't feel anybody else, they think everything's centered around them and them getting what they want and they don't get it fixed. And the sooner you and others recognize what's going on and seeing it for what it is, because unfortunately, it usually disguises itself as good things or attractive things in the very beginning, as you went through. And I understand that completely. This conversation, when people hear it, they hear about somebody who is so well-meaning and so bright and has such a great family and future ahead of her and all of that, and then this other person comes through and you think, yeah, you don't know, that's kind of interesting. And there are parts about that person that maybe I wish I had a little bit of, I wish I could get a little dangerous at times a little bit. Then you get kind of sucked down the drain with that guy and burns up eight to 10 years of your life. And now you still have echoes of him. Yes. And they'll just continue. And you just have to say, that's the way it's going to be. But You've got a husband who is a real live person and has feelings and cares and he's stable, which is refreshing.
1: Yeah, it
0: is. The one thing I did want to overlook is you and your current husband have several several kids, right?
1: Yes. Four kids.
0: Okay. So I know at the very beginning, we mentioned your daughter who passed, but so was she part of the four or is she was she number five or what's that?
1: No, she is my, she's our second born. So we have a boy and three girls. Oh, okay. She was number two.
0: And you had opened up to showing me pictures of her, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that that was really uh, uh, very uplifting to see the two of you together. And And she's, I'm not saying this because it sounds so great, but I mean, she's with you right now as my daughter is with us. I have no doubt about that. I really do. So I can talk with my daughter out loud without having to feel bad about it. And I feel like the more I do that, the more there's a relationship there and that they really don't get away. You know, they're always there somehow. Yeah. Before I give a talk, I usually talk to her a little bit about I can use some help. A lot of things I sort of do in her name. And I think that you'll never forget your little girl and how precious and loving she was and all those things and her love of dogs and things.
1: She's amazing. And she was my best friend. And I mean, doctors gave her two months to live and she lived eight years. Oh and she did more did more in eight years than most people do in eighty and she Aww. continues to make an impact helping kids like her and families like ours with you know pediatric hospice end of life things like that, so yeah, I do that i I still speak on her behalf and tell her story and our story and this is the first time that I've told my story because yeah my my life is completely completely different now Good to think of some of the things like I'll just get flashes of things being in the car and him always keeping a a baseball bat in the car because he would maybe would meet up with somebody and then like beat the crap out of them with a baseball bat like or the time that like there was a road rage incident and he got out of the car and um walked up to the car next car at the stoplight and took a ballpoint pen and Dabbed the driver through the cheek. To think that those things happened to me, like I'm a mom of four. I'm like a pediatric hospice advocate and a poet and I have dogs and I garden. I can't believe that that was my life. And I can't believe how fortunate I am in this chapter of my life. You know, even losing my daughter is the worst thing that any parent can, can go through. And, but, oh man, she made my life so much better. Like I pick her again, I pick her again and again and again. And every minute of my life now with that grief is infinitely better than the time that I was stuck in a relationship with somebody who treated me so poorly. And if I could tell myself, cause I remember after the divorce being like, I'm damaged goods. I'm 24 and I'm divorced. I remember my aunt saying, are you kidding me? You're good. You're 24, 24 is, is, is young, you're good, it's fine. You're gorgeous, you're smart, you, know, you have a career. Who is not gonna be lining up? And like, if you even want someone to line up, you don't need anybody, you're doing it, it's, you're perfect. And I just, if I could tell myself, be like, oh my gosh, your life is so amazing. Your life is so amazing just wait. And all this stuff that you went through and all of those things, like none of that matters. I mean, it matters. It's just, yeah, it's an echo. It's a distant echo of my life the way that it is now.
0: It loses volume over time too. It'll be there, but it becomes more faint. You know, you'll look back on this and say, I learned from it and that was a moment. And if you take the, take the uh, the film reel of your life and stretch it out. You see that spot. Mm-hmm. But once you're older, you look back and say, you know, that was a spot and that was tough and that was really bad. But look at all the good things that happened after that, that completely blow that out and blow it away. And like you say, your kids, your great husband, you know, your your dogs, your life, your abilities, all those things are blossoming. And it's not that you needed that to happen for you to get to where you are. I'm not saying that, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would never say something like that, but you do have something to compare it to and you do now get to be the real you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: You don't have this brick wall in front of you everywhere you're trying to go that you have to keep banging into and feeling bad about. And the other thing is too, is you are a survivor and the people that I speak with who are survivors are people who I find in every single case, wonderful people who run into the wrong person, who get tricked by that person, who buy into what they think they see, who get lured down a path, who then feel like there's some things that don't feel quite right. Then they feel kind of indebted or stuck with this other person. And the more those calendar days go by, the more stuck They are. Then they get to the point of getting out, even, you know, it's kind of like this invisible little cell that you're living in, jail cell. Now getting out is really pretty bad. So going back, you know, the warning signs of all those things as they're coming along, that's why we're always talking about the warning signs, because it's like if you start seeing these things, we're telling you right now where it's going to go. Well, we can jump to the end of the book and say, okay, here's some really bad stuff that's up ahead. So if you really want the bad stuff, just hang in there with this person versus get good advice and get out of there.
1: Listening to your podcast, I enjoy listening to survivor stories. And I mean, I have I have daughters and I have a son. I don't want my daughters to ever be in a relationship like this, like I was in. Um, yes. They have a wonderful model for uh, for a marriage, but listening to your podcast, it helped me kind of name a lot of the things because I, I would say, oh, that, that happened to me. That's, that's what happened to me. And, and that sounds familiar and that resonates with me. And so just to be able to say, yeah, I think that that really was, that was abusive. I wasn't controlling and high strung. I think that he was really abusive and I lived through that. Oh, it's so, it's so good to not be in that. The cage opens and you just, at first I was devastated. And then I remember a coworker telling everyone was like, oh, I'm so sorry about your divorce. I remember one coworker saying my divorce was the best thing that ever happened to me. And so not all divorces are bad. And I said, yes, that's how I feel. Everyone's so sad. And I'm just like, I'm so happy. I have a partner. I turn over at 3am. They're still in, they're in bed. And there's nowhere else they would be unless they were like downstairs getting a snack. Like my life is not volatile. I don't have to be scared all the time. It's so, it's so good. My life is so good. And it's, and it's not because of what happened. And I don't, I don't really think that, you know, things happen for a reason, but uh, things are going to happen. And if you can learn from them, that's great. And I think that I did. And I really, I learned exactly what I don't want. In the way that a person treats me. Yeah, it's so good. Like, my life is wonderful. I wish I could go back and tell myself, you know, when I'm crying in the bathtub, thinking like, well, I can't kill myself. I can't get a divorce. But if I walked in front of a bus, would that count? I just wanted it to stop. I just wanted, like, the pain to stop and the constant abuse to stop. I didn't have a way out at that point. But there is a way, there is, there's a way out, there's always a way out, there is. And afterwards, it's so much better that you don't even know how good it can be. I had no idea how good it, it would be. And it's so good.
0: That's interesting. I, I love that you said that because under the circumstances you went through, now your appreciation for what it could have been like based upon how it is now, your appreciation for now is so big somebody who didn't go through that, you know, I'm sure they appreciate life, but you can really compare it to true darkness.
1: Yes, I can.
0: Scary darkness, terrorizing, scary darkness, nightmare.
1: Yep. And I can, and I, and I know, I know kind of what to look out for. Like my girls are young still and they're not dating, but when they decide that they want to pursue those things, I hope that I can be open with them about things that are red flags and things that are not okay and, and boundaries that need to be set. And it's okay as a girl, as a woman to say, I don't accept this treatment of myself. I don't owe you anything. I don't have to go out with you because you asked me. I don't have to be nice because I'm a woman. Like I can say, no, I'm not interested in you. And I don't like the way you're treating me. And that's fine to do. And so I hope that that my girls and and my son will. They already do. I mean, they're so they're so. I mean, having a having a sibling like they had and and going through eight years of medical trauma and and losing their sibling when they were so little, they have this view of things that is just really mature and really wise the amalgamation of all of my experiences, I feel like I can use them. I wish I didn't have a lot of them. I can use them and I can learn from them right. and I I can hopefully show them that even if you do end up in a situation like this, because I I did, I'm very smart, I'm very capable, but I hitched my wagon to a, not a great horse, more like a donkey, but there's a way out. Like there's, nothing is nothing is like a foregone conclusion just because all the deposits are down on the hall just because you have the caterer you don't have to do it and i hope that my girls can say to me cuz i couldn't have said to my parents and it's not their fault but i couldn't have said i don't I, won't, I don't want to go through with it and if i had said that my dad would have been like woohoo let's go i know they would have done that
0: i'm fine with it
1: yep but i i like i hope that my girls would just be like i don't want to and i'd be like yes you don't have to i don't care how much Money is- well, what
0: comes to mind right now for me is that I know growing up for myself too, I wasn't coached that much on on saying no when you really feel like the answer should be no. So that's part of it. A whole different thing, thinking about you growing up. I don't know if it would have found anything but a background check, just a quiet background check, parents a little bit worried about this guy, worried about this woman, this girl, whatever it is, you know, but go ahead and spend seriously about $55. And just run a background check. You may not find something, but you may. And had we done it, we would have found things on the guy that eventually killed my daughter. We would have found a little nasty treasure trove of things that would have been like, Oh my God, this guy's been in trouble with the law and this is not good. I don't know if Kristen knows this or not, but you know, we need to swoop in there. We didn't know.
1: Yeah. And if they had, you know about that. If they had done that, even at seventeen, eighteen stuff would have come up. He was always getting pulled over getting his car searched and stuff like that. And I don't know if it would have swayed me. Right. Because I was very much in a place of, he has so much potential. You know, he just needs, he needs guidance and unconditional love.
0: He just needed you.
1: He just needed me to fix it. And I, I'm not in the business of fixing people anymore. Good. Yeah. And I, and I got out and I, I escaped without, without like huge, there weren't any like giant repercussions. I'm alive and I'm well and I've been to therapy and I've moved on and I've, I live a wonderful life. And I'm just so thankful that I didn't stay because all of those things would have happened. And he definitely could have killed me any number of times. Right. I left before he did. And there's so many people who don't and it's not their fault, but I'm just really glad that I did. Because of the life I have now and the kids that I have and the experiences that I have, I get to have all of those things. And I I didn't pay with my life for a mistake that I made for someone who tricked me.
0: Yeah, he did. He was thorough. One other thing, too, I wanted to add at the end here is that for those listening to this, that if you want to talk with somebody, be sure to contact the local domestic violence agency. You know, you can talk with a counselor. You can talk with any number of counselors. It doesn't cost you anything. And another thing is, if you don't want to do that, because for some reason that's not comfortable, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 800-799-SAFE, 800-799-SAFE, and talk with those counselors. These people are highly trained. A lot of them have been through it themselves. And so they're not just quoting lines from a book that they read one day or a seminar they went to. When in doubt, you know, if you have a a daughter you think is going through this or a son who's going through this because there are abusive people of both sexes, all sexes. And it's good to talk about it because like in your case, Molly, it's taken you a long time to be convinced that you are actually in an abusive relationship. Even after you say this, I mean, even the earliest stages, it's like, oh, wow, boy, you really, you were in one of those, weren't you? And it would be, no, not really. You know, it's just mm-hmm. some things weren't working very well, and it's like, nah, it's abusive. There's an abuser and an abused person, and you're one of them.
1: Yeah, it's that's still it's still hard for me to say that I am an ab- a domestic. Oh my god, I'm a domestic abuse survivor, and that's that's very that's strange for me to say. Um.
0: Similarly, I was talking with somebody about a year ago. Now, my daughter was killed 18 years ago. It's hard to believe. June 3rd makes it 18, but someone was talking with me and referred to me as a survivor, me as a survivor. Mm -hmm. And they said, even a secondary survivor is a survivor because you have going from the call from detectives that night and meeting with them and getting the news from that point on, you are a bit damaged. You are, you survived it. You're alive. You're here, you're doing things. But so I never thought of myself that way either at all. I suppose technically I am. I don't walk around feeling that all day long like I'm a survivor, but, you know, there is a definition. So Molly, I want to thank you so much for giving up your day today, you know, to concentrate on this and the emails back and forth you wrote were very thorough. And I know this was not easy. And you had said before we started that this was the first time you told your entire story from end to end. So I appreciate that you did that with me and with us. And I just want you to know that this will do for hundreds, if not thousands of people, a lot of good because they get caught up in stories like this because they hear someone who sounds like themselves or sounds like somebody they know. And they have to trust that this is all very real. This really happened. This is somebody who didn't need this to come crashing through their lives like you did. This does happen to people. And by listening to your story, they can maybe pick up on some points that they can apply to their own lives or to the lives of a family member or a friend or somebody they work with. So this was a great thing you did today. And I just want to say, I really appreciate it. And I have such admiration and respect for you for, for doing this with us. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. And I, gosh, I, I hope so. Gosh, I hope it, I hope, I hope somebody hears it and goes and it resonates with somebody or it helps someone, uh, cause the, the, all the other stories have helped me. So I, I'm honored to tell my story from beginning to end, and gosh, I hope that it that it reaches even one person would be really wonderful. And I, this platform that you're giving to survivors, and um, it's so necessary. It's a beautiful extension of your love for your daughter, and I, so thank you for having me.
0: That's a wonderful thing to say. I appreciate that. I do feel like I, in some way, I'm doing this with her and it's what she would want. You know, she was very much into helping other people. She's very generous with her time with people, very loyal person. So I feel like I'm just kind of doing what she can't, but I'm doing it with her. So
1: yeah, absolutely. I
0: appreciate that. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. You take good care. I'm sure we'll be in touch again.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: This ends our conversation with Molly. Tell your friends and family about the When Dating Hurts podcast and read the When Dating Hurts book. Thanks to my guests for offering their stories on the When Dating Hurts podcast. This is your platform where victims, survivors, and others who have experience with domestic violence can freely add what they have witnessed. Through these stories, although challenging to listen to, we underscore the prevalence and horrific behavior of abusers over their targets and victims with knowledge comes enlightenment and empowerment. If you feel your story should be included on this podcast, please email me at Mitchell at That's Mitchell at Thank you.